What's up? It's Friday. Welcome to the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast. We talk about film and we also talk about music and it's Black History Month. Really, it should be more than a month. And I'm not the only one to say that. A lot of people say that. The shortest month of the year? What the fuck? But anyway. The gentleman that I'd like to talk about was born, well, this November, 80 years ago. He only lived to be 27 years old. But in those 27 years, he started off when his father taught him the Delta Blues growing up in Seattle, Washington, eventually playing as a back, uh, backing musician for the Isley Brothers and later with Little Richard. It wasn't until he moved to England in 1966 with bassist Chas Chandler of the Animals became his manager. Within months, Jimi Hendrix had earned three UK top ten hits with Jimi Hendrix Experience. Hey Joe, Purple Haze, and The Wind Cries Mary. He achieved fame in the U.S. after his performance at the Monterey Pop Festival in 1967. Hmm. He was born Johnny Allen Hendrix. We know him as John Marshall, Jimi Hendrix. Born November 27th, Sagittarius, 1942. Oh, he's, he already would have been 80. And he died September 18th, 1970 at the age of 27 in Kensington, England. <sighs> My God. He was the best. He was the best. There's always been this kind of a, uh, oh, you know, musicologists, you know how they are. Well, Hen you know, Clapton's better because Clapton's still alive. Really? Okay. We're going to go there. We're going to go there. Um, may I remind you that when, <laughs> when it was... You know, Clapton Clapton got cut by Hendrix because you know there was I guess they you know did like kind of like a guitar duo and who won Hendrix even even a lot of people were like I'm glad I'm not a guitarist yep some people defended Eric rightfully so especially his band members of uh, Cream but then. You had many people like Roger Daltrey and um, uh, members of The Who, you know, Pete Townsend, who were like, hey, Jimmy is the best. What Jimi Hendrix could do on the guitar was mind-blowing. Think of this, okay? The opening to Hey Joe which was a cover song, he played with his teeth. A lot of people don't know that, okay? <sighs> and I'm going to play it for you. I mean, that, that I, I think we all, oh, my God. I think we've all kind of had those moments where it's like, okay, you know, the debate of who's better. 
um, Hendrix or Clapton, you know. They're both there. They both exist, even though Jimmy is no longer with us. Listen to this intro. Probably one of the most famous intros in rock history. Hey Joe, and the lyrics. I mean, where are you going with that gun in your hand? It was written by Billy Roberts, okay. And th- and this song really introduced the world to Jimi Hendrix. He was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1992. He didn't live to see that. He didn't live to see a lot of things. He didn't live to see the completion of the studio that he had designed and commissioned, Electric Ladyland Studios, and all the people who throughout history have recorded there. Okay? And the fact that in America, when he was playing in Back of the Isley Brothers... He couldn't even make it in his own country. He had to go to England to blow up. That's fucked up. But it was the 1960s. Racism, segregation, Jim Crow. Were people really going to take a black man playing electric guitar seriously? A left-handed guitar, by the way. And he goes over to England and he introduces them to the Delta Blues. Because, you know, the British love the blues. And here was Jimi Hendrix, American-born, taking the Delta blues that his dad taught him. I mean, him and Buddy Guy. Him and Buddy Guy knew each other very well. Buddy Guy often talked very fondly of, and still does, of Jimi Hendrix. And so I say that because what happened? He became the biggest guitarist in the world and still is. And what that did during the 60s, the fact that the greatest guitarist, I mean, okay, yeah, you can call Clapton God, but come on, Jimi Hendrix, Jimi Hendrix, where he was playing these songs in the backdrop of the 1960s civil rights movement, the, uh, the burning of Watts, the burning of Detroit, riots and Jimi Hendrix music is not just the soundtrack it's the piece of the puzzle so to and 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 to have the greatest guitarist of all time rise above everything that's going on and uniting people with his music with his sound with his philosophies The fact that he got flack for playing the Star-Spangled Banner. 
I mean, that, you know, Jimi Hendrix, Jimi Hendrix wore his heart on, I mean, he's a Sagittarius, we wear our heart on our sleeve. Oh, my God. I remember hearing Bold as Love and just, there's a magic behind that because, woo. Star Spangled Banner. That got that got Jimi Hendrix in trouble by some people. Probably very racist people. And Jimi Hendrix explained, you know, look, I was in the 102nd Airborne. And he was. He was. So not only did he have a right to play Star Spangled Banner, but come on. He's American. He's American. So it's really you at last. How are you? I'm pretty tired. I've been recording so much, you know. You're tired now? Yeah, I haven't had a sleep in about all night. I've been working on the last LP. How much sleep do you need to be alert? Alert? Oh, I guess about eight. <laughs> eight hours? Yeah, I had about eight minutes, so, you know. Minutes? It itself. Yeah. I've slept longer than that in my monologue. Yeah. Want to cut the uh, racket off on the sound here? Uh, nice gentleman. <laughs> <laughs> what is that sound that, that we hear uh, irritating us so dreadfully? Well, it sounds, it sounds something like the uh, New York Street. I don't know. It's like a, today the air is all static, so the amplifier is static. Music is loud, the air is loud, and, you know, we're trying to settle things down a little bit. But it's going to take it like a rest, you know. I asked a practical question and got a philosophical answer. I think is that's that terrific. philosophical? I thought it oh, was. Thought you said there's static in the air today oh, yeah. and all. Yeah, well, I was just trying to get a point across before we all, you know, take our rest. I'm sorry, he's still on. We're going to both sack out. Mr. Young, will you uh, <laughs> entertain the audience for us? Um, let me ask you something. Um, what really happened to you that night at Woodstock? Could you stay on so long you just really were? No, no, we spent like in the morning. Yeah. And uh, it was announced that it was canceled. The show at the Dick Heavis was canceled. So, And then later on, it was announced that it was on. Oh, really? And uh, I didn't know what was happening. I was so exhausted, you know. Yeah. It was like a, what do you call those things? Nervous breakdown or whatever. You know. Physical breakdown. Yeah. You don't suppose it was a real. You didn't have, have you ever had a nervous breakdown? Yeah, about Wait. three of them since I've been in this group, since I've been in this business, you know. Really? Mm -hmm. Gee, I didn't mean to pry, but since you brought it up, I, <laughs> I thought I would mention it. Pry, that's cute. That's yeah. um, they said that everyone was amazed at the absence of violence. It's become a cliche now about that big festival and about the others. Were, were you surprised at it? Do you think that. I was glad. I was glad. That's what yeah. it's all about, you know. Yeah. Try to keep violence down, you know, keep them off the streets. And like a festival of 500,000 people was a very beautiful turnout, you know. I hope we have more of them, you know. It'd be nice. Yeah. What was the controversy about the national anthem and the way you I don't know. It? All I did was play it. I'm American, so I played it. I used to sing it in school. They made me sing it in school, so mm -hmm. it's a flashback, you know. I don't know about it. This man was in the 101st Airborne, so when you write your nasty letters in, when you mention the national anthem and uh, talk about playing it in any unorthodox way, you immediately get a guaranteed percentage of hate mail from people well, who say, how that's dare That's not unorthodox. Anyone. That's not unorthodox. It isn't unorthodox? No, no. I thought it was beautiful. But then there you go. Yeah. Don't you find that there's a certain mad beauty in unorthodoxy? Yeah. yeah. 
I knew you'd do that someday. Yeah, I knew you'd wig out on me. Do they ever uh, send that shirt back with too much starch in the collar? So I want to pull away, because see, see how relaxed and shy Jimi Hendrix was. That um, episode aired on September 9th, 1969. And a year later, Jimi Hendrix would be gone in the physical. There are so many things I could say about James Marshall Hendrix. But instead... It's it's essential to let the music, and I'm going to get in trouble for doing this, but I don't care, and I'm sure he wouldn't care. Um, this, when I first heard this, I want to play probably, okay, what Hendrix is doing, here we go, this is, this is where you're going to walk under the ocean sonically. I want you to hear this. This blew my mind the first time I heard it. That is bold as love. That that is a moment, a sonic moment from Jimi Hendrix, the Jimi Hendrix experience. That isn't that Axis Bold as Love. That's the album. It was a, a double album. That's what he could do. Talk about the and then setting guitars on fire. Doing Bob Dylan covers, doing Beatles covers. Um, this really is, I mean, riffs. It's all about these riffs. And then it's all about this. It's all about the mood and this. Just that that guitar intro right there. That's a Bob Dylan song. That's all along the Watchtower. And um, if you if you go back and you hear the original, all along the Watchtower. And strangely enough, my first time hearing that was in the movie. And we're gonna connect the movies right here. We're gonna connect the dots. American Beauty. Oh yeah. Where uh, a certain someone is lifting weights. It wasn't me in their garage. And it's the Bob Dylan version of all along. Well, you know, I love Bob, but come on. There must be some kind of way out of here, said the Joker to the thief. Yeah. But then what does Hendrix do? Like many great artists, Hendrix makes all along the watchtower his own. And. 
puts it and and runs it through Hendrix Hendrix and the band the experience had this magical way of taking songs and just throttling them okay and what that did to his sound and those those two songs that I just played for you well three actually if you count hey joe and also Hendrix didn't think of himself as a singer, okay? But hey, he did it. And a lot of the blue, a lot of the blues guys. It wasn't. It wasn't about sounding beautiful. It was about really showing your soul, showing your emotion. And Jimi Hendrix could do that. And I'm speaking of him so lovingly. Because here we are. He's been gone for 53 years. He would be 81 years old this year. Isn't that something? Born the same year as Paul McCartney of the Beatles. Barbara Streisand, too. So many people. Didn't make it. Didn't make it. But the music does survive, like always. And Jimi Hendrix knew he he saw the future of the music, and that's why he decided to design and create Electric Ladyland Studios. Patti Smith has recorded there. Many people have recorded there. It is a legendary studio in New York. Legendary. It's a magical, magical place. Some say that Jimi Hendrix spirit still is there. And if you want good music, that's what's going to happen. That's what's going to happen. And, you know, the first time, and I'm going to reconnect to movies right here. The first time I heard Hey Joe, and I remember my cousin pointed it out to me. We were watching the movie Crooklyn. Spike Lee Jones, or Spike Lee. Spike Lee uh, joint, directed by Spike Lee. And there was Hey Joe. And it was a pivotal moment in the film. And that's the way to do it. And that was my that was our first introduction to Jimi Hendrix. Think about that. That's the nineties. Jimi Hendrix came out in the sixties. I wasn't even a thought when Jimi Hendrix took that guitar and set it on fire at Monterey Pop. And then played Woodstock. And I mean he he was the best. He was the, and and paved the way for so many guitarists. So many. Black, white, Asian, Hispanic, LGBTQ. All right. But I wanna I wanna echo something that a, a friend of the family once said. I wanna Kevin Klein, wherever you are. We're talking about Hendrix. He and I would always talk about guitars. He tried to show me how to play guitar. That's when I realized I couldn't because my fingers aren't long enough. And so I sold him my guitar because I had an electric guitar. You know, I could sing a little, but I couldn't I couldn't play guitar. And then I thought about bass and I was like, no. I love bands. I love music. Okay. To hear musicians talk about the first time they saw Jimi Hendrix, they couldn't believe what they were seeing. That he was plugged in, not just physically, 
but spiritually and musically. He was plugged in to what he was doing. All right. That's why it's such a loss to die at 27 and you are on top of the world. You are the biggest guitarist in the world. Nobody has to call you God. Nobody. Because the consensus is out there that you are the greatest living guitarist of all time. Maybe race played a factor in the fact that they wouldn't give it to him like they wouldn't give it to Little Richard, someone that Jimi Hendrix used to play with. You know, we we call Little Richard the architect, the godfather of rock and roll, but I would call him the king because he took that vocal style and everyone tried to and still does copy that vocal style. Everybody. But we call Elvis the king. There should be room for more. That's all I'm saying. With Jimi Hendrix, I, I want to say what Kevin Klein once said to me. He said, you could try to play Jimi Hendrix, but nobody can play Hendrix. Only Hendrix could play Hendrix. It's like a one-time thing. You know how you make, let's say you make a recipe and you can only do it once. And that one and only time it tastes spectacular. And then you keep trying to do it the same, but it never comes comes out the same way. That's Hendrix. Even John Fashanti of the Red Hot Chili Peppers, who really musically has almost like a soul of Hendrix within those fingers, has said that he loved listening to Hendrix. He loved trying to emulate Hendrix. But then he says you've got to realize that nobody can emulate Jimi Hendrix. Nobody. Nobody. That's why it's a loss. Just imagine if he were alive today. He'd still be playing guitar. He'd probably be doing innovative things for Electric Lady Studios. But I'd also like to think that he would probably be teaching kids how to play guitar. Because remember how music was no longer in schools and now it's back? I could see that happening. I could see Jimi Hendrix having the Jimi Hendrix School of Guitar, of Music. That, that's a vision right there because I think people assume that guitar is only for white artists. They don't realize that we have Carlos Santana, who was from Jalisco, Mexico. Jimi Hendrix, a black man from Seattle, Washington. All right? Or even women who play guitar. Hendrix saw it. Hendrix saw that future coming. He says it was going to look alien. And even Joan Jett has said that. And she, that's what she wanted. And then I think of someone like, I mean, there are some really great guitarists out there. Annie Clark of St. Vincent. I saw her play Berkeley in 2021. As a guitarist, she doesn't get the credit that she, she truly deserves. I saw her shred. I saw her just, oh, my God. That's the essence of a musician because it's not always it's not always the same. As to quote Sade's song, it's never as good as the first time. That's what it's that's what a musician really dials into. And that's what Jimi Hendrix could do. Because it never was the same. It never was the same the first time. It was always different. Always different. 
always prolific, always cutting edge. That moment at Monterey Pop where he lights the guitar on fire, nobody wanted to follow that. Nobody. Because he had the audience in the palm of his hand. Some of them were scratching their heads. I mean, if you watch the footage, yeah. Because I think he was playing Wild Thing. And then, boom, just, you know, and, and there's this shamanistic quality as he's, uh, the flames are just growing out of that guitar and, and what Hendrix is doing, and it's beautiful. And then that Dick Cavett interview that I played for you where he's talking about the Star Spangled Banner. And he got flack for that. You know why he got flack? Because he was a black man playing the Star Spangled Banner. And that's his. That's his. But back then in the 60s, they wouldn't give that to him because he was black. They couldn't say he was the greatest because he was black. We're saying it now. And we've always said it. He is the greatest. And this is Black History Month. And it's essential. And it's important that we always remember Jimi Hendrix is the greatest guitarist of all time. Clapton is somewhere there. I think in recent, Clapton really has, you know, whether it's his political, whatever, his BS, Clapton sometimes just needs to be quiet. Just let the music speak for itself. Um, and be, you know, more um, gracious. You know, he can't be like Jimi Hendrix, and that's fine. No, Nobody can be like Jimi Hendrix. Nobody. And you look at someone like Carlos Santana, who's who has that essence of Hendrix, that shamanistic, that magic, knowing that you can connect everything through music, that it's not about the money, that it's not about the fame. It's about sending these songs into the stratosphere. And that's what Jimi Hendrix did. He sent his songs into the stratosphere. Foxy Lady, are you experienced? Hey, Joe. Voodoo Child, Red House, The Wind Cries Mary. I mean, there's so many songs that I could name that Jimi Hendrix, I mean, the Bob Dylan cover of All Along the Watchtower and this is during the 60s. He even had a song called Machine Gun. Yeah, because of what was going on in Vietnam. We can connect all of these dots together. Okay. Here was Jimi Hendrix, who was in the 182nd Airborne. Would not serve in Vietnam. He didn't want to. And like many, it was because... That war was fought by men who had no choice. It was the draft. And in particular, it was men of color, black men, Hispanic men, because they didn't, you know, they didn't have the money. They couldn't go off to Canada and escape like some people who remain nameless, who, who you know, dodged the draft. Okay. And so what did Jimi Hendrix do? He put how he felt in that music. You can hear it. You can hear it. 
that he is channeling everything that's going on in the t- very tumultuous 60s. And I have to be careful when I say that because I wasn't there. From what I know and what I've talked to people about, family and friends, and reading about it and studying the 60s and the music. You can hear it in the music, though. You can hear the t- tumultuous uncertainty. We're going to hell in a handbasket. The music reflected that. And that's what Jimi Hendrix brought to the forefront. In revolutionizing guitar, electric guitar, music. That clip of Bold as Love where they turned on the faders and they just put it in there. And that is why it's the upper echelons of guitar playing. Of what you could sonically do in the studio that nobody had done before. And Jimi Hendrix was capable of doing that. And that's why he wanted to make his own studio. Electric Lady Studios. Never got to record there. That's the bittersweet thing. He, and he gave it to these musicians. Musicians record there. He wanted everyone to have a place to record. <coughs> and that's, that's really what it's all about. So his influence is essential. And I wanted to talk about him because people always assume that rock is just a bunch of white musicians, and it's not. It is a collection of musicians of different backgrounds. You look at Santana, that is a multi-racial, diverse group, okay? And at the forefront is this Mexican-American guitarist, Carlos Santana. The same with the Jimi Hendrix experience. The bass player, the drummer are white, British. And here's Jimi Hendrix from Seattle, Washington. The left-handed black guitarist who changed the world. Revolutionized music much more than the Beatles. Took it to a stratosphere that the Stones couldn't even take it to. And I love Keith Richards. And even Keith's like, hey, it's Jimmy. How could you not love the sound, the beauty, the, the, the shredding? Jimi Hendrix and this palette of power and I mean you know great painters paint with the paintbrush and Jimi Hendrix is just he's shredding that guitar and he is just bending those notes and that and that's something that we wait for and in 1970 it was silent so now we can never experience that live not even through a hologram and so here at the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast, hey, there's there's footage of Jimi Hendrix that you can watch. But to hear Ozzy Osbourne and to hear all of these musicians talk about the first time they saw Jimi Hendrix and Lemmy Kilmeister of Motorhead, who was a roadie for Jimi Hendrix, he used to score acid for him. It was the wicked, tumultuous 1960s. Okay. And Lemmy Kilmeister was a little younger than Jimi Hendrix. 
And he liked Hendrix. He really, he really did. He really loved Hendrix. Isn't that magical? That what all these musicians brought to the forefront. And it was about celebration. And so tonight, Dr. Zeus Film Podcast, I honor Jimi Hendrix as this beautiful musician who still to this day is a shining light when it comes to guitar playing. But I also wanted to talk about him because I think of the many black, Asian, Latino, LGBTQ uh, youngsters who really should pick up a guitar. And if they see Jimi Hendrix and they hear Jimi Hendrix and how he sonically weaves these tapestries together, that's what I want all, all of you to learn about Jimi Hendrix is that the next generation hears him and learns from him and builds their own sonic church, as he called it, and gets to record at Electric Lady Studios. So many people have. Jimi Hendrix didn't get to record in the studio that he designed with love to, to have artists all come together that that really is the power of music. That's why I wanted to talk about him. Is that how that music brought us all together. In times of great strife. And in times of great fear and uncertainty and joy. You can just roll the windows down and you when it's a little hotter. And, and put on All Along the Watchtower or Foxy Lady. Yeah. Purple Haze. I mean, you, you think about that song. That that really is his most famous. Where he's saying Purple Haze all in my brain. And um, I remember I took a class once in college. This is when I was having a little fun. I wasn't I wasn't taking it seriously yet. And then I finally eventually did and got my two degrees. But I remember I took a rock and roll class. And I know it was funny. And I I was nine I was nineteen. And um. The teacher was like analyzing Jimi Hendrix lyrics and she said it's like when Jimmy says, Excuse me but while I kiss the sky. It almost if you turn it around, it sounds like he's saying, Excuse me while I kiss this guy. Or when the doors say summer rain, what kind of rain are they talking about? Is it a is it a royal rain or actual rain? Double entendres. So Dr. Zeus Film Podcast, I'm speaking to not just my listeners, but those of you who are budding musicians, in particular, black, Latino, Asian, LGBTQ, white musicians, about trying to learn some Jimi Hendrix songs and putting your own spin on them. Because Kevin Klein, a friend of mine and my brother, would say to me, you can put your own spin on them, but it's not going to be Hendrix. Because what Hendrix could do, he didn't write it down. Okay? It's only on recording. What you hear is what you get. And that's what made him so great. So prolific. And I think at the end of the day, music has no color. Except those beautiful colors of the rainbow. 
but to say that one you know music belongs to one group of people it doesn't it doesn't it's been proven time and time again that music is universal that anyone and everyone can do it the doors are open or as the great band the doors said the doors of perception have been cleansed okay huh so I have given you my passion, my love, my adoration for Jimi Hendrix. I mean, the name right there. He didn't wasn't going to call himself Johnny Hendrix. It was Jimi Hendrix. All right? Nothing cooler than Jimi Hendrix. This musical prodigy who took the world by storm was a very, very bright light. And then that light went out in September of 1970. A lot of things happened. And the music still survives. And Electric Lady Studios still gives us a home for musicians. And so from everyone at the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast and my listeners, thank you. And happy Black History Month. I just want to have this show be a vessel for for the five years that I've been doing this show. And trust me, Sunday we're going to talk about the Grammys. Oh, we're going to talk about them. Hendrix was never nominated in those top categories. It was the 60s. Grammys were more about Sinatra. Not, not, I'm not hit. I'm not ragging on Sinatra. But it, it, was, it was more, you know, standards. Rock and roll wasn't at where, you know, even hip-hop. Even hip-hop. Okay? I know that if Hendrix were alive today, he'd love the musical landscape of those who are doing it. Not the cookie-cutter pop. You know, let's let's have a safe formula, Adele. Can you hear me? Hendrix would be all about what? Kendrick Lamar is doing and all about what Beyonce is doing, even Taylor Swift, and be all about what Ozzy Osbourne is doing and Tool and Gojira. And I mean, the, I, I think even Jimi Hendrix would be flabbergasted that a French band is playing this metal. Oh, Jesus, God. So that's the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast. You know, you're going to probably think, oh, he's rambling. No, I don't ramble. I don't ramble because there's always a method to the madness. When people talk to me, I think they probably think that I'm long-winded, whatever, and that I'm, you know, being a professor. You know, I'm speaking like a professor. I I do have professorisms in my blood. You know, my mother is a professor. Um, But no, you know, I just, I, I know what I know. And I and I and I let it filter out through me and my information and my knowledge and and I love music. Music is such a powerful force. Music has gotten me through so much. It's gotten many of us through so much. Of of we're able to understand ourselves better because of music. You don't feel so alone. And I used to get ragged on. By certain family who remain nameless who would say to me, oh, just put your headphones on. 
They'd always say that to me. I'm sure, you know, I don't think they realized what they were saying. Oh, just put your headphones on. Or even some of my cousins, oh, you in the CDs. And I say, you don't get it. It's a, it's about music. Music to me is not something to have on in the background. Music to me, I'm feeling it. I, I'm taking it with me. I'm taking it with me. So when I go see a band, I'm not, you know, twirling my head and closing my eyes. No, no, no. I am watching. I am right there. Just my eyes are like, whoa. My ears are taking it in. And I'm looking at this crowd like, yeah, that's what it's about. That's what it's about. That is the power of music. So the people who did that to me when I was a teenager, (laughs) fuck off. Uh, That's also why I probably do a lot of things by myself. I want to enjoy the music myself. I I don't want to hear the commentary. I don't want to hear, oh, that's okay. I don't care. I know what I know, and I know what I like. And I loved, and I still love, the music of Jimi Hendrix. Jimi Hendrix, you do not take for granted. Okay? You don't think, oh, yeah, that sounds like someone. It doesn't sound like anybody. And you look at the musicians today who, they, they all have a form of Hendrix in them, whether it's a singer or a guitarist or a bass player or a drummer or a flutist. We are all in his debt as a musician. And, I mean, when I, when I hear people, especially the next generation, talk about Jimi Hendrix, that makes me smile right there. Because they're getting a taste of someone who has been gone longer than they've been alive. Okay? He was a baby boomer. He was a baby boomer. You know? Or I think he was maybe... No, he was pre-baby boom. He's 1942. And so... I know I should have ended this a, a minute ago, but, you know. Music music is very important to me, as is film. It's connected. I don't think anyone will ever play Jimi Hendrix. They tried to do it with Andre 3000, but the, the family wouldn't let him use the songs understandably so you know the physicality of Jimi Hendrix cannot be a performance it just can't in a movie Jimi Hendrix is one of those musicians where you have the footage you have the music and it's there it's there for you to love and to Take whatever you want from it. I don't think a lot of you get that with music. Yeah, certain songs mean certain things. But the power of that music that Hendrix did is to take whatever you want from it. Take whatever you want from it. When I listen to Bold is Love, and I'm hearing that that where the the faders and it's just upper echelons, it's like, whoa, I wish I could paint that. When I hear the wind cries Mary, I, I feel like kind of a breeze, like it's getting colder. You want to just go someplace warm. So, or even Hey Joe. Hey Joe is one of those songs where you can feel the not just the masculinity of the song, 
but the urgency of the song, the lyrics, because he's building it, and then the guitar is bit. The guitar is doing just it. It's it's doing all the emotional digging right there. It really, really is. So think of that. The greatest guitarist of all time. You you know what? So many of you can debate that. But for me, and I think for many others, Jimi Hendrix is the greatest guitarist of all time. And it just so happens that he was an American man born in Seattle, Washington. He was a black guitarist. Played left-handed. And took us to stratospheres that we could only dream about. And so when you want to influence someone musically, put on Jimi Hendrix. Show them the footage and, and talk to them about the man. Because yes, you can achieve that. Unpleasant dreams. Mm-hmm. 